0: Hey, everybody. Dave Lindbergh in Hong Kong with another episode of THD Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Today, we have a gentleman from Chicago area joining us, Andrew Bolavia, with the company Aura Futurity. Futurity. It's a difficult one for me to say. Anyways, they're going to be joining, and uh, Andrew runs a consultancy in the Chicago area that talks about or does go-to-market strategies and branding in for any kind of products or technologies related to being worn on the head. So we're going to find out more about that business, but we're going to focus a bit on hearing health and what it is, which is a kind of a a growing category in uh, audio and headphone technologies. But without delay, let's not forget about our sponsor, the Alti Association. They're going to be having a meeting suite where both Andrew and myself will be exhibiting during CES at the Venetian Hotel, in Lido 3101B. So we encourage everybody to reach out to us and make an appointment or just come by. Barry doesn't want you to do that, but who's gonna stop you once you're on your way in? So let's get started here. So Simon's in Japan. Good morning Simon. Morning Dave. And Andrew Andrew, how are you doing today?
1: Doing great. Thanks. Appreciate being on the podcast.
0: All right. We love the festive festive theme. Uh today so so yeah so Andrew's been in the uh, the ear space for some time now. Uh, some people might know his background but uh, specifically I think let's start with talking about hearing health I mean there is a history behind it with hearing aids and such but in in the greater scheme of things uh, how do you position the topic of hearing health
2: yeah
1: things have really been moving in different directions lately of course, Everybody knows their traditional hearing aid. And the current state of regulations is driven by an old, old definition of a hearing aid, which is a device which selectively amplifies sound entering the microphones. You traditionally needed to get hearing aids from an audiologist. And now with the new regulations in the U.S., you can actually buy a device which will amplify up to a certain level for people with mild to moderate hearing loss in a pharmacy or online, which is something revolutionary in industry. And of course, how that exactly shakes out, how many people will avail themselves of the opportunity and what effect will it have positive or negative in the hearing health space is yet to be seen.
0: Okay. Now, if if we think about like the eyewear industry there's kind of this calibration of like a plus 2 a minus 2 these kind of things is there some kind of standardization measurement that's coming into these pharmacies so that people aren't running out the door or is it is it is it a an app that's measuring their their ability to hear how how does it how does people get the right solution in those situations
1: Yeah, so it's the eyewear to a certain extent is a good analogy because in the classical model, you'll go to an audiologist who will do a number of tests. The most common one is an audiogram, which will measure the threshold of your hearing at different frequencies. In other words, what's the quietest sound you can hear at different pitches? And so you'll hear tones, and when you hear the tones, you either press a button or raise your hand, and that's recorded. And so then you can see how many decibels of hearing loss a person has at any given frequency. And that would be used then to program the hearing aids to compensate. It's not a one-to-one uh, correspondence, by the way. If you have 50 dB of hearing loss, you don't just amplify by 50 dB. Otherwise, when the sound is louder outside, you would get a dangerously loud you know, audio played into your ears. So... A full prescription hearing aid is pretty sophisticated because it will adjust the amplification level according to the noise outside mm-hmm. that you're listening to, and will also do compression so that quieter sounds are made louder, but loud sounds are not made even still louder. So mm-hmm. these are all things that an audiologist will do for you. So, in the context of OTC, there are two styles. One just simply has a few selections. You might have four different modes you can try. And the other is truly programmable, what they call self-fit, where indeed you take your smartphone and you perform an app-based hearing test, and it then programs the hearing aids.
0: Okay. Now, now beyond the kind of, we can go, we don't need to talk too much about the regulatory changes, which I think is just kind of a a move by government. But I think what might be interested from a technology point of view is as I understand it, historically some of the signal processing that you talk about, like in terms of adjusting the volume was very proprietary to these hearing aid companies. Like they were having their own signal processing chips. Is that correct? And so was that creating a barrier to entry beyond the government barriers?
1: Well, the answer is yes. And until hearables, true wireless hearables developed, yeah. the answer was definitely a yes. I mean, there were people doing it with neck bands. For example, Bose's first self fitting device, the one which they actually used to create the category with the FDA, was a neck band.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But okay. neck bands aren't particularly popular for people when they're going out to restaurants and whatnot. So, never achieved a lot of success, but that was the state of technology at the time to put it in a neck band. And now you can do some of these functions in a TWS device. And as you know, from talking with Gary Spittle, I just listened to that podcast very recently. Mm -hmm. The technology, the processing technology in earbuds is advancing by leaps and bounds. But at this point, you still cannot get the whole mix of features that a hearing aid provides in a true wireless hearable device. So, for example, if you take a typical hearing aid, they're very small. They'll sit behind your ears or within your ear, you can't really even see them. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, the rechargeable versions will give you 18 hours plus battery life, be Bluetooth connected, and the audio processor will have up to say 25 or 30 different bands. So you can think of it as a 30 band equalizer, each with its own gain in compression settings possible. So imagine not just having a compressor to prevent loud sounds from getting too loud, Mm -hmm. but you have one running on each of those individual bands, which are required, especially when you get into more severe hearing losses, the audiologist really has to tweak the gain and the compression settings at each band in order to make sure you can hear it your best. Because when your ear is severely impaired, you can't just drive it indiscriminately. You can get to the point where, The amplification is too high in the slices where you're more severe and you'll get distortion, which sounds a little bit like speaker distortion, but it's actually your ear doing it. And so that sort of sophistication with the long battery life and discrete size is still not popular or still not possible in a true wireless. Mm -hmm. But when you think about people with milder hearing loss, it's usually situational. You're fine in your home when it's quiet you have a hard time hearing people in a loud restaurant or pub. And so then if you're thinking about situational use, you don't need 16 hours battery life. And people on the milder end of hearing loss don't necessarily need all the sophisticated uh, DSP features of a hearing aid. And therefore, the potential for an OTC device to work for them is higher. Okay.
0: Now, beyond the... the the ICs so were the were, historically were the ICs were they bespoke for like these Willem de Mont and these kind of companies or were they having something was it were they they
1: they still are bespoke because that's okay. the only way you can get the power consumption down right right so they're really ASICs and otherwise the power consumption would be too high to deliver the long battery life in such a discrete size
0: okay and the other technology that i thought was interesting is isn't zinc air a po- popular chemistry or or the batteries I'm talking about specifically that you mentioned 18 hours, which is phenomenal. Um, you talk a bit more about that that battery technology. Is that unique? Will that transfer over to consumer products or, or where do you see that going?
1: Yeah, I don't see, and battery technology is not my strong suit, but what I understand is that the zinc air battery will give you very long life but it can't deliver high currents. Okay. And that's fine for a hearing aid and non-rechargeable hearing aids can get five days out of a zinc air battery. Right. But the more and more hearing aids are going to rechargeable, just like a true wireless earphone. Right. And their so the requirement is to deliver 18 hours plus. So you can wear them all day and then charge them overnight.
0: So you wouldn't be able to power like a Bluetooth radio or something like that and add the hearing amplification requirements.
1: Well, so the the zinc air battery hearing aids will drive Bluetooth and a Bluetooth okay. connected hearing aid, but it it does cost you in life. It does right. cost you, and you'll not, you'll get noticeably lower life out of the batteries if you run the Bluetooth a lot. And okay. this is where rechargeables are coming in handy. Uh, my devices, for example, well, I'm streaming to them now, listening to the audio streaming through them now. And if I do podcasts or phone calls or what have you, I can be hours of Bluetooth every day while using them for their hearing function. And I'll still get 18 hours battery life out of that. So it's enough. It only has to last until I go to sleep.
0: Okay. So would there be any other technologies from the, the history like beyond the the DSP power that's needed and battery power that's needed? Is there anything else that's unique and maybe the, the balanced armature technology or something about hearing aids that we might see transfer over into consumer?
1: So you're seeing some of that already. You're right, the balanced armature receiver is used in hearing aids because of the small size, low power consumption and high output. But they, their use in hearable devices is a little bit different because in exchange for the very small size, which allows you to, for example, put the receiver directly in the ear yeah, uh, or the balanced armature speaker in the hearing aid world, are called receivers. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not possible to get enough output to drive effective ANC with them. Okay. And so when you see a device which is also expected to play music and have ANC, we'll typically use a dynamic speaker, sometimes in a two-way configuration. So you'll have a very small balanced armature tweeter but then you'll have the dynamic speaker as a woofer to be able to drive the high output needed for ANC.
0: Okay. And so as these things move along, so where where are we at in terms of the like the legitimate products that you would see in the market that you would call like what would you call it hearing assist or what stage are we at in in, and also in some of the definitions I think would be useful because hearing aid, I think people understand that it seems to be something from an audiologist, but then like, what? where's the next step? Like, where's the middle ground, I guess, is a good place well, to start.
1: that's the real interesting thing, really, because a hearing aid is a, is a device which can selectively amplify the microphone input. And it was traditionally uh, provided by an audiologist. Mm-hmm. And now you can get the over-the-counter version where the app will do the programming. But there are a lot of emerging technologies for solving hearing problems that don't rely on selective amplification. These are the things you're going to start to see come to hearable devices in a completely unregulated environment.
0: Okay, so expand on that. Like, uh, so we're just amplifying the entire band. Like, so people just hear more of everything or how does that, or the app? No, helps? that's
1: actually the worst case condition. Uh, yeah, I think. Are, <laughs> that's <laughs> what you don't want to do. Exactly. Uh, so the, regardless of hearing loss level, the biggest problem is the cocktail party problem. Right. So you don't want to just amplify the noise along with everything else. It doesn't make the situation any better. What you want to do is increase the signal to noise ratio. So you want to reduce the environmental noise while increasing the level of the person you're trying to speak to who's nearby. Okay. now that's, a, that's an acoustic problem because in a restaurant, the noise is primarily other people talking. So mm-hmm. the noise is, has the same frequency spectra as the person you want to hear. Mm-hmm. And so you can only do a limited amount of acoustic filtering on it. And so right. hearing aid companies struggle with this as well. But the next basic thing you can do, which both hearing aid company, well, hearing aid companies have done it for a while. And now hearable devices are starting to, is simply make directional microphones. Okay. So if my microphones are focused right. on you, and for those listening with audio, I'm kind of pointing forward. Yeah. Uh, so I can focus the microphones towards the front and so you'll have and i'll go to airpods pro airpods pro can do this they you can put the microphones in directional mode and the national acoustic labs in australia they measured their performance and found that you can get about six or seven db of signal to noise improvement in a loud restaurant by putting the microphones in focus mode okay. that's what uh, what apple calls conversation boost
0: yeah, I think and six we, or
1: seven dB is a lot. Yeah. And so if you are a person with mild hearing loss, so that you have difficulty hearing in a loud restaurant, but you're fine at home, that six dB is really meaningful. And you're you've done no amplification at all. Okay, so all right. that's first level stuff. And next level really are the techniques being developed to actually extract speech from noise, okay? Now, in the studio or cloud environment, this has been done for a while. Uh, For example, you can use in conjunction with your PC software called Crisp to filter out background noises. Um, Many of the online platforms like Zoom, which we're using now, do that Mm
0: -hmm.
1: in the cloud server side so that if a dog starts barking behind me here, that will be denoised and you won't hear it on your side.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, there are people working on getting that in the ear. And so when that comes, and that comes with increasing processing power, especially people who are working on in your neural network chips, people like GreenWaves, for example,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, then you have the capability of doing denoising in the ear. So now you are actually through machine learning techniques, reducing the amount of noise that you hear. It's passing through the speech and removing the restaurant noise. And so now you'll get even more signal to noise ratio improvement. And so uh, for people with mild and moderate hearing loss, it could very well be enough without amplification. As long as they can hear properly and quiet, if you make the restaurant more like a quiet environment, they will hear much better.
0: Yeah. There's, there's a lot of processing guys coming around and they call it speech intelligibility. So there's a lot of people working on these algorithms. But I also kind of clued in on the concept of, you said your business is focused on head-worn. So I think that the directionality thing, especially like a gentleman like yourself wearing glasses, and if you had micro, like some kind of tuning between where the person is looking, it gives you an advantage for the directionality. Is that something that you're you're kind of like, cluing in on, I guess, with the headworn stuff is like the, the, the actual direction of the face helps as to where they need to pay attention and listen to.
1: Yeah, exactly. And that's really next level stuff at this moment. And right. some of the big tech companies are working on that. For example, Facebook Reality Labs, uh, they shared a couple of years ago that they were working on this problem. And really what it comes from is uh, it's, a, it's a trick question. And I'll ask you this question. What do you hear with?
0: Mm. I'm assuming it's not your ears. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, it's not. You hear with your brain. Right. Okay. Think of your ear as a microphone, or even better, your ear is like a microphone attached to a roughly 50-band you know, graphic equalizer. So your ear is delivering to your brain, a parallel interface at all different frequencies. Okay. So, in, in your inner ear, in your cochlea, you've got the cells, each one picking up a narrow slice of the spectrum and delivering that then parallel to your brain. And so, in the context of the cocktail party problem, that is the most sophisticated processing your brain does in the audio space. You have very subtle clues about the directionality of sound mm-hmm. uh, and the, the time of flight at different frequencies. And all those things get processed in your brain so that when you're when your hearing is completely nominal, you're very good at separating out the person you want to. So in other words, even in a quiet environment, you can have four people talking and you can, without moving your head, you can attend to one or the other.
0: Yeah. I think that's that's kind of just a natural instinct. You see that with animals detecting location, and humans are an animal in the same sense as we can detect location and and focus on what we want to uh, attenuate to. So that's yeah, it's very interesting stuff. There's exactly,
1: whole... but now the issue is is that's that's a very very finely tuned mechanism, right? And when you start to develop hearing loss, that's the first thing to go. Oh, and really? There are also people. Yeah, absolutely. That's why you'll see. As people's hearing degrades over time, the ability to distinguish between different voices, especially in a noisy environment, is the first thing to go. Okay? And when you, if your hearing loss is severe enough, you can provide the amplification, but that doesn't solve all the auditory processing issues in your brain. Okay? And so making the environment perceived quieter is the best thing, actually and there are people um brend edwards and his team at the national acoustic labs uh, they've done these studies and, and there was a paper published a year or two ago that divides up people according to their perception of hearing loss and their actual hearing loss when you measure with an audiogram the tones mm-hmm. and in the u.s they determined there were about 25 million people who when you measure their hearing it's normal and yet they complain they have hearing problems, especially in noise. Is okay. So now that when you would get be in, a mental issue, is because you well, I mean, processing? mental has negative connotations. But what people yeah, would say is you have auditory reason. processing issues.
0: Right. Okay. Yeah. Brain process auditory processing. Yeah. Okay. Right. That's interesting. Yeah. Perceived uh, perceived problems. Yeah.
1: Well, and, and you can do these testings. So when you go to an audiologist, you'll have tests like where they'll actually play noise in one ear. They'll play like restaurant babble in one ear mm-hmm. and they will, you know, have words being spoken in the other ear. And as they vary the signal, to noise ratio, they'll ask you to repeat the words. Okay. And so they can measure your speech and noise capability. And that's how you get to whether somebody has an auditory processing issue versus a hearing loss issue. So you can have a person who performs poorly in the speech and noise test, and yet their audiogram looks really good.
0: Interesting. No. Okay. And Simon, so, do you wanna do you wanna chime in on any any things that pop out at you?
2: Yeah, just curious, so uh, traditional or, or uh, medical device-type hearing aids, uh, they tend to have quite a limited frequency range. Yeah,
1: that's part, of the, that's part of the battery life issue, because yeah. you run the processors for a more limited uh, frequency spectrum, you'll increase the battery life. And it's also a function of the original focus of a hearing aid to focus on speech. Mm-hmm. And so they'll typically go as far as 8 kilohertz or so.
2: Okay, and at mm-hmm. the low end?
1: At the moment, yeah,
2: and at the low end, uh, what about uh, not, not much low frequency, too? Is that
1: right? Yeah, that's right. They'll usually not uh, do very much low frequency because you don't have much low bass in speech. Yeah, and for many people, they'll run their domes uh, open domes so they'll have some holes in the domes and you'll get your bass naturally, mm. and then they'll blend in the amplified speech from the hearing aid, and that helps with the, uh, how would you say, the naturalness of this sound perception.
2: Right, right. right. And okay. um, this uh, shift to, let's say, uh, you know, from professional hearing aids to uh, consumer, what do you call that, uh, aftermarket OTC hearing aids, uh, they're generally always trying to be an audio music device as well as a hearing aid, or are people building just purely hearing aid only devices as OTC
1: uh, well, actually both. So you can get either kind. I'll use as an example of one that's a full-function TWS device from New Hero out of Australia. Yeah. So they'll play full-spectrum music, uh, but they actually then have uh, audiological-grade hearing correction for the microphones.
2: Mm. It's interesting. Okay. And um, uh, does ANC play into that as well?
1: And they are using ANC. And that's one of the techniques you can use to help get the noise level down. If you have a sealed ear and ANC, then you're killing a lot of the babble and then letting the microphones, especially when they're in focus mode, you know, concentrate on the sounds in front of a person. Right. Uh, there are there are drawbacks to that, namely in power consumption and size. So the devices tend to be a little bit bigger, mm-hmm. um, you know, bigger than a hearing aid. And of course, as OTC now hits the market and develops, uh, to what extent will the cultural issues begin to recede? In other words, the hesitation people would have to wear an obviously yeah. earbud-looking thing when they, you know, are at a dinner table with their friends.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there was a classic kind of I don't know theory that people would hesitate about seven years from the time they started to have hearing loss until they actually would take on a a hearing aid device. So it's kind of an issue. So it makes it worse for people. So I always thought if there was some kind of cool way for the guy in his forties to start wearing like AirPods or something that, that would help assist him, it would help stem the gap uh, and, and reduce hearing loss or, or help in that. What do you, what's your feeling on that?
1: I actually think that's how the stigma problem is going to finally be broken, because you're right. The seven years is very typical Mm -hmm. and stigma has a lot to do with it. The association of hearing loss with aging and the negative connotations that come with that, you know, is a strong barrier. That barrier used to exist for glasses, too. When I was younger, you know, kids made fun of other kids wearing glasses and all that. Now they're very much a fashion statement. But the stigma around hearing still exists. Uh, however, I think there's a couple of ways that stigma barrier gets broken. One is actually personalization of the music. This is becoming more and more popular. I mean, even Skull Candy, who really, you think of Skull Candy earphones, they're a lifestyle brand, okay, mm-hmm. right? It's you know targeting snowboarders and the like, okay, and you know at moderate price points. And they are now doing hearing personalization, which means you take the hearing test. But what it does is it personalizes the streaming music to your hearing response, not the microphones. Now, because they're only personalizing the streaming music, it's totally unregulated. Okay. It has nothing, it's not a hearing aid. However, when people buy these earphones and they take the hearing test and, hey, the music sounds better they've now got an introduction into modern hearing science in a way that's positively reinforcing. Okay. No company doing this speaks of hearing loss. They simply talk about everybody's hearing response is different, like a fingerprint. Mm -hmm. Okay. Run the hearing assessment, let us equalize them and you're going to love your music. And so when people do that and the music indeed sounds better, it's a positive reinforcement around hearing. Okay. So that's one way. That's one way. Uh, The other way, I think, is when the tech companies really get into the game. So Apple, for example, has these features. Uh, They'll do a little bit of limited amplification. If you take a hearing test from a third party like Mimi and load it into Apple Health, you can then get limited amplification. Uh, But the biggest feature really is the directional microphones, and you have a certain amount of noise reduction that goes with it. Uh, That's what they're doing now, but it's really kind of under the radar They're not advertising it. And my own suspicion is probably because that was an after-the-fact operating system update that AirPods weren't designed for. It was a feature added later through software. And so it's really a little bit beneath the radar. But when an audio brand or one of the large tech companies really goes in on this and provides a restaurant mode, for example, Mm -hmm. and talks about it, so imagine you've seen, you know, the, the cool AirPods ads that Apple does. You know, person's dancing in the street, you know, goes up the walls, right? And, you know, modern music playing, all that sort of thing. Now imagine an ad, one of the companies does an ad like that. Person's walking down the street, grooving to their music. They open a the door to some pub, walk in, it's really noisy. Restaurant mode. The noise recedes, they go up and say hello to some person they're attracted to. And they mm-hmm. sound perfect. you know. Now all of a sudden, you have positive messages around the lifestyle advantages of addressing your hearing. Mm-hmm. And I think the tech companies will get there. As the, the, the demand for hearing personalization is going up and up. And mm-hmm. more and more brands are doing it. I think that will filter into these sort of restaurant mm-hmm. modes as well. And then you're going to start to break that stigma barrier.
0: Yeah, there must be a lot of, a lot of homework to be watching the patents being filed in the last <laughs> the last time to, to, try to try to predict the trends, which would be important for your business. Um, okay. Simon, did you have any further questions? I well, think it, does, good... it does sound like uh, it's a pretty
2: difficult technical problem. So it's the kind of thing that brands will not be rushing off and developing themselves, but they buy in uh, somebody else's technology to implement it.
1: Yeah, it'll, it'll, it'll be a combination. For example, you see, you see people developing uh, neural network chips that can either be run separately or could be an IP block within you know, a Bluetooth chipset, for example. That gives you a, a better hardware basis to work on. And there are companies doing the software as well, companies like Mimi, for example. Yeah. who are doing the hearing features already for sound personalization and could do it on the microphone side as well. Mm-hmm. So there's an ecosystem forming. And, and I'll add to that, since you had the conversation with Gary Spittle very recently, mm-hmm. was that if it truly comes to pass with companies like Sonical and Bragi's working on this too, yeah. if it truly comes to pass that you end up with an operating system for your ear. Now you've democratized access to the ear and it'll open it up for other companies to innovate through software. And now think about that where you could go to an app store, try two or three different hearing programs. I mean, even one, you may have a, you know, a couple of good ones that are available on subscription basis for a couple of dollars a month with a 30 day free trial. So you load one up and you give it a go And if it works for you, then, you know, you subscribe, Mm -hmm. but there'll be a lot of innovation in the software side. Once you have an operating system for your ear as well.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Shout out to Nikolai, by the way, I've been trying to get him on this podcast for some time now. So hopefully he can, hopefully we see him at CES as well, but uh, anything else, Simon, that you want to
2: be curious, Sam, I, I wonder how it works out because if you take the example of ANC, there's a number of big brands who have uh, very high-performance products. They're performing excellent, but it does tend to drop off pretty rapidly to relatively poor performance. And uh, you you know what I mean? A brand that can really invest a lot of technical resource into it can do a very good job. But if you don't, it's not something you can just plug in and get the results that that others can. So I wonder if the same would be true for uh, the uh, airing, side
1: yeah you're absolutely right um anc is so hardware specific that i really don't think you're going to have anc apps unless you have the means and and smartphones do this if you have the means of detecting what the earphone model is Mm -hmm. and then the program would configure itself for that model. So I can have an ANC app, but I've got to have profiles for different earphone models, which in the beginning wouldn't be terribly hard because there may only be a a half a dozen models running Sonicles OS, for example. Mm -hmm. And so an ANC app detects which of those half a dozen models, configures itself for it, and you get good performance. And there are people doing adaptive ANC where they're actually measuring what's going on in your ear canal and Mm -hmm. adapting the ANC performance for your individual ear canals. So it's possible, but the hearing side is a little bit different because you have a starting point, which is, you know, the, the acoustic design of the earphone. Okay. Now, at least for amplification uh, once you, you know what the baseline response is, you can add dBs to this frequency band or add dBs to this frequency band. Directional microphones gets a little bit trickier because you have to know the microphone performance and layout. It would have to be the same thing like ANC. But denoising would be perfectly fine. If you're taking the input from the microphones and you're running the ML speech from noise extraction, that should be relatively model agnostic. So there's a lot of runway here for innovation once you've democratized access to the earbuds. Mm-hmm.
0: Excellent. Okay. Perfect.
2: Thanks.
0: All right. I think this is uh, anything else you'd like to add, uh, Andy, before we call it a day?
1: I think we've really covered uh, some good ground here. I'll, I'll only add that a lot of these topics I talked about in an article I wrote for Audio Express, which is coming out imminently and probably will be out before This is published because it's the pre-CES issue. Uh, And speaking of CES, uh, yes, I'd be delighted to meet with people at CES. I don't have an exhibit table there. I'm using it as a meeting space. And so I may also be at meetings in other locations, but it's easy to schedule a meeting if someone would like. Uh, If they go to AuraFuturity.com, I've got a place where you can uh, book a meeting directly there and also... Uh, you'll see it on my LinkedIn profile.
0: All right. So yeah, we'll put that uh, LinkedIn profile in the description below and make sure everybody who can gets out to to see us at CES. It's the Alti suite is uh, it's going to be like a buffet of embedded tech and specialty guys related to audio industry. So it's, uh, it's going to be good. So look forward to seeing you there, Andy. And I guess, uh, thanks, Simon. You won't be there this year, but I believe Zoomy Systems will have a presence there. So we'll be demoing the Zoomy tester uh, in that Alti suite as well. So anyways, enough uh, commercialism here. Let's uh, let's wrap it up. So Andy, thanks for joining us. Uh, Have a Merry Christmas, all that jazz, and we'll see you next year. And uh, thanks, Simon. So like, subscribe, share, and uh, we'll see you on the next episode. Thanks, everybody. See you later.
2: Thank you. See you in a few weeks. Bye.